Good morning, everyone. We'd like to welcome you to our morning service at Calvary Baptist Church of Trehearn. Also, welcome all those people with us via internet, uh, our live streaming, and FM signal here in town. Please open your hymnals on number 122. 122. There's a title question Why? 122. <clears throat> Father, we are thankful that we can answer that why question 
that uh, we have. We can be thankful that thy son, the Lord Jesus Christ, was willing to leave heaven's glory, willing to come to this earth with the purpose of suffering and dying on the cross of Calvary and shedding his blood there. We're thankful that we have a God who loves sinful man enough to provide the only way of salvation there is for us. Thankful that we don't have to die and go to hell. And we pray that as our world is, many of them are dying and going to hell, we pray, Father, that we would be faithful to thee in helping a few people at least to turn to thee, to know the truth and know thy forgiveness and blessing. We pray for the godly pastors across this country today as they meet together with their people. We pray, Father, that they would not be ashamed of thee, they'd be bold and faithful to thee in preaching the word of God as thou wouldst have them to. We pray, Father, for the many social clubs that call themselves churches and the many people that are deceived into going there and thinking that they are receiving something wonderful because it feels good. Pray that many would wake up and see the need for truth in their lives before it's eternally too late. We thank thee that we have the privilege of gathering here. We thank thee for providing us a place to meet and we thank thee for watching over us here and we pray for continued ability to meet together here that we can serve thee in this area and from this area through our internet and our live streaming. And we pray for our outreach into other countries, pray for our Zoom meetings with the Filipinos, that we can be a help to them, and that the people would see the importance of the truth. Help us all to see the importance of thy word, that when we meet for our services, that we should be willing to set aside those things that would distract us from hearing from thee, that we would want to be like Mary who would want to sit at thy feet and listen to what thou hast to say to us, that we can receive a blessing from thee. But may thy will be accomplished here. May we glorify thee in everything that is said and done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. On over to 215, 215, no, nor silver, nor gold. 215. <clears throat> Of love and talk. 
Who is on the Lord's side? 
Turn to the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 2. <clears throat> <clears throat> going to be reading there from verse, my iPad is a little slow today, verse 18 to the end of verse 29. We'll stand please for the reading of God's word. Revelation chapter 2 beginning there at verse 18. And it says there, unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, 
These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my words unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as uh, I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. And he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful this morning again that we have thy word, thankful again that we have a Savior who is not just the Savior, but he's the shepherd He's the head of every true local church. He's the redeemer. He's also the judge. We're thankful that we can know the truth. We're thankful that we can be under the authority of thy son, the Lord Jesus Christ, here in this church. I pray that would be very evident to each one that listens to the preaching here, the singing and everything that goes on that it would be understood that we are under the authority of thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to exalt thy name. We want to glorify thee in all that is said and done. So I pray that thou wouldst help us to set aside anything that would hinder us from learning of thee today and from allowing thee to speak to us in regard to the need that we have today. We thank thee that we have this liberty in this country yet. And we pray for boldness, for faithfulness, that thy will would be accomplished in this place and through the ministry of this place. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The title of the message this morning is No Room for Jezebel. No Room for Jezebel. I was given a link recently to an... AI program that is apparently 
quite popular since I was given that link. I've seen it several more times on uh, the internet. And it is called ChatGPT. ChatGPT. It's a program that will be used, no doubt, by many lazy students. It's a program that if you are told by your subject material that you need to write a report, you just get this, download this app, and then you tell it the title of the report you need to write. You tell it the topic that it needs to be written on. You tell this program what age level it's supposed to be written to or from, and then it will write the report. And from what I have seen on the internet, it makes it look as if it was done by a human being. It looks very well done. But it also has a not just that dark side, because that's not good. Children don't learn anything when they just go to an app and tell the app to do the work for them. But you can also manipulate this program so that it becomes a spy tool. It can find out personal information, like, for instance, what is your driver's license number? It can get that very quickly. And so, and it can also, because, for instance, here we record our messages, and they go out onto the internet. So anybody that wants to listen to our messages, they get to hear my voice. This program is designed that it can learn my voice. And then it can make up things that it can claim that I said, which I never said. And that, of course, can be used then in the courts to try to condemn me for saying something that I never said. So we are living in a time of great wickedness, a time when the ungodly are looking for different ways to silence anyone that speaks the truth. That's where we're living today. And we need to understand that, and we need to be aware of that. When I was given the information on this link, I wrote back to the person and I said, well, these things are happening, but they're not going to scare true Christians into silence. And that's the object. The object is the devil wants us to be silent. I remember some years back, a pastor in another province warned others, don't record your messages and don't put them online because he was scared that they were going to be used for other purposes. That's not the answer. We need to be like the Apostle Paul, like Peter and John. We need to go where God tells us to go. We need to preach the word of God as God tells us to preach it. And we need to trust God to provide the protection that we need to do what he wants us to do. If he wants to allow for the enemy to put us in prison as Peter was put in prison, as John was, as Paul was, that's something we need to prepare for. I was thinking of that as we were singing our hymns today. There are certain hymns that we sing that are very easy to keep in our memory. The words are good words, but we can repeat them. The music, the tune is such that it's easy to remember and sing. 
There are other hymns that we have that the, the, the tune goes up and down in different ways and it's more complicated to sing. And so I was thinking of that, you know, as we sing these hymns, we need to be singing hymns that we can remember so that if we find ourselves locked up in prison or sick on a, on a bed and can't get out, that we have hymns that we can repeat without having a book there. That we can learn them and we can sing them and we can be comforted through them. That's why it's also important to memorize God's word. So that we have God's word in our heads affecting our hearts and souls instead of some garbage from the TV or the radio that has no value to it. We are what we listen to. In our physical life, there was some discussion about that before the service, we are what we eat. When we eat certain foods, and if we overeat on certain foods, it has a negative effect on our bodies, even though those foods were made by God. But if we abuse the way God designed them to be used, they will affect us negatively. I was telling my wife the other day that uh, when you think about the, you know, a lot of people, they go to different parts of the Bible and they try to figure out what's the diet that they had in the Bible. And in the book of Genesis, we find that prior to the, or during the famine that was on in Egypt, that uh, Joseph's brothers came to Egypt to buy grain. You know the account. And then they went back home and Joseph had told them, you have to bring Benjamin back with you or I won't see you. And so they hesitated because Jacob didn't want to send Benjamin. And then finally when Jacob said, okay, okay, take him along, bring the best of the almonds and of the fruits that are in the land here, bring them as a present to Joseph. They didn't know it was Joseph, but to the man. But they had to go to Egypt to get grain. So they had almonds and they had other fruits that they had in Canaan. Even though there was a famine, they had stored these things for several years. But you can't live on those things. And God shows us that right there. There are people that eat only a, a vegetable type diet. They don't eat any meat. That's not God's design either. There are certain things that we need to round out a good diet. And we don't look to the Bible and say, oh, this is what they did. I'm going to do that. I'm going to try and figure out. One of the things they ate a lot of in the Bible was bread. Now, certainly the grains of that time were different than the grains we have today. They were better quality grains than we have today. But there are certain uh, groups and certain diets that say, oh, stay away from bread. Don't eat bread. It's bad for you. Yeah, well, certain breads are, but... Again, we need to use common sense. We need to use Bible sense, actually, and think about these things. And in the spiritual realm, also, we need to be filling our minds with the truth. Because it's the truth that's going to sustain us if we're saved. It's the truth that's going to sustain us in our daily lives. When we look at the book of Job, we find that Job, he had a good foundation he eschewed evil he was had the fear of God in his heart and life and he sought to honor God in his life he was a help to other people because he knew some things about God 
But we find that when trouble came into Job's life and when his three so-called friends came and attacked him with their false theology, that Job's theology began to waver. He wasn't as strong as he needed to be. Now, he didn't renounce God. He didn't say, I'm done with God. But he was accusing God of dealing with him in an unjust manner, which wasn't right. But you see, Job didn't have any good people around him that could help him at that time to keep his thoughts clear about who God is. And uh, so that's why it's important for us, while we have the freedoms we have now, to make use of them. That's why I encourage people often in our devotionals, and I do it here too, you need to make sure you have a good local church that you are attending, a Bible-believing local church. You need that. Sometimes we get to thinking that, well, yeah, kind of want to do something else, and I, I don't really have time for that. We need that more than we sometimes think. We need to be fed the word of God. We need to read it ourselves, but we need to be fed it as well. <clears throat> because when difficulty comes, the devil, if the devil can attack our physical body and get us weak there, then he's also going to go after our spiritual life, our minds and our souls, and try to weaken us there and try to get us to think things that are not true. And we need that fellowship of the local church to help us to be able to be strong and to be able to stand and to withstand in the evil day. And we are living in an evil day. And as we look at the churches in the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, and we see the church in Thyatira, they had some good things going there, but they also had some things that the pastor there was not being careful enough about. So we're going to look at the first point is the church in Thyatira. The church in Thyatira was likely started by the Apostle Paul. Thyatira, the city of Thyatira, Thyatira, was founded by a man named Seleucus Nicator, or Nicator, however you say that, and it was situated some 27 miles from Sardis. It was not a large city. Before Nicator established the city, it was known as a holy city. So it had a different name before. And it was holy in the wrong sense. It was steeped in idolatry. There was a temple there to the ancient Lydian sun god, Tim, Tim or Cherimnos. It's mentioned, Thyatira is mentioned in Acts chapter 16 and verse 14. A woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, came from Thyatira. She was in Philippi selling her goods, and that's where she met Paul, and that's where she was converted. Purple 
was a color that was the purple dye, I'm sorry, that was used here for this, these robes was taken from the matter root. Now there is also a purple that they had in Bible times that was taken from a special shell, seashell. From there they got this purple, so that was a rare purple. But this purple apparently came from a matter root. I'm not sure what a matter root is. But today, apparently, that color is known as Turkish red. That's what it's called today. So Jesus introduced him to himself to Thyatira as the Son of God. And that's what he is. He's the Son of God. Son, not in the same sense that we look at son. Uh, Jethro is the son of Ronnie and Gerilyn Amate. Jethro has a beginning. And before Jethro was conceived in the womb of his mother, there was no Jethro Amate. Never existed before. He wasn't a fly somewhere. He wasn't a cow somewhere. He wasn't a rat somewhere. There was no Jethro Amate. He has a beginning. Jesus Christ has no beginning, has no ending. So he's the son of God in the sense that he is the second person of the Godhead, but not in the sense that he's of lesser value than his father. The Bible tells us that all three persons of the Godhead are one. They're all one. They have their specific task, but they're all one. The cults reject that. They deny that. But the Bible says that's what it is. So Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Tells us that here in this passage. He's the Son of God. But it also tells us here, Who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. When Jesus Christ looks at a person... He can see right into the inner being of that person. He knows what's going on. You see, we can say many things with our mouths. And we can convince certain people with the things that we say. We can flatter people. We can tell people how great we think we are and so on. But Jesus Christ knows who we really are. Now, if we pay attention when someone is talking to us and talking about what they think they know and so on, we can soon figure out whether they actually know it or not. We just need to observe them. It's one thing to say that you know something. It's another thing to be able to show that you know something. But Jesus Christ, he knows all about us. John chapter 2, if you turn there in your Bibles... John chapter 2 right near the beginning of Jesus ministry and it tells us there at the end of John chapter 2 even though the people were uh, starting to gather around him it tells us in verse 23 it says now when he was in Jerusalem At the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. 
That's important. They believed in his name when they saw the miracles that he did. Not the teaching that he did, the miracles. Verse 24, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. And needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. So you see, there are a lot of people, even today, they're very impressed with religion. There are people that like the name Jesus. The Charismatics love the name Jesus, but they don't know the Jesus of the Bible. They have a false Jesus. There may be a few of them that are saved, but the majority of them are lost. They don't know who Jesus is, but he knows who they are. And he's not impressed just because they can roll his name off their tongues. He's not impressed because they can jump around and do their immodest dancing in front of their false Jesus. He's not impressed with their wild music. Jesus Christ is interested in truth. He is the truth and he expects his children to speak and live the truth. So he has his eyes like unto the flame of fire and his feet are like fine brass. Brass is a metal that is developed in fire. And fine brass is, a, is the product of metal that has been pounded and purified to make it fine brass. Pure brass. And Jesus' feet were tried in a fire. Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed to his father that if it be possible, this cup be removed from him, but it was not removed. He went to the cross. He was nailed to the cross. He was mocked and scoffed. He took the sins of mankind upon himself. He died on that cross. He shed his blood on that cross. He was buried. He rose again victorious over sin and death. He is the Savior of mankind. He was always the Savior of mankind, but he proved that position by going to the cross, by shedding his blood, by being buried and rising again. He proved that. So that's who is talking here to the pastor of the church in Thyatira. And it is important for us as we consider this church as well that we understand who the head of this church is. We understand how that we're not getting sneaking anything by Jesus Christ. If we are just a social club, he's not even here. But we don't want to be a social club. We want to glorify God. And so we trust that Jesus is in our midst here. I'm not going to tell you that I feel his presence here because I don't go by feelings. But I trust that he's here in our midst because we are seeking to glorify God according to his word. And we need him to be here as the head of this place. And every person that's listening today needs to understand that while I'm the one that's speaking, it needs to be Jesus Christ who is speaking to your heart. 
directing you and helping you to see the importance of knowing him. And I need to understand that so that I'm not one that is taking liberties with the word of God that I ought not to take. Because he's the judge. And he's going to hold me accountable for everything that I say and do. So the second thing that we see here is the... Well, actually, we're still on point one here. Verse 19. It says there, I know thy works. So keep in mind, this is that Jesus, the true Jesus who can see right to the core of the pastor, knows what's going on. He says, I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works. Two times in that verse, Jesus reminds this pastor, he knows his works. And the last to be more than the first. So this pastor was growing in the Lord. The last to be more than the first. This pastor was one who was not at a standstill, stagnant, and just repeating the same thing over and over. He was growing in the Lord. He was becoming more Christ-like. His life now, at this present time, was more faithful to God than it had been when he started as a pastor. That's important. I've said before that my observation has been that many pastors, when they get older, they tend to get weaker in the faith. They tend to put up with more sin, more compromise than they did when they were younger. They've lost the fire. I remember When I was ordained as a pastor, the preacher that preached the message, I still remember, he said, don't let the fire go out. And that's important, that we don't let the fire of God's truth go out in our lives. It needs to burn stronger and purer. And so this pastor, Jesus is looking at him and he knows what this pastor is doing. He knows of his charity, and a pastor needs to be charitable, needs to be willing to help other people, not, well, if you give me 20 bucks, I'll do this for you. A pastor needs to be charitable. People need to understand the pastor needs to live just like they do, but he doesn't do it for the money. He's charitable, his service, he's willing to help other people to know the truth. That's the main purpose of a pastor He doesn't have to come and fix everything in your house. That's not his main purpose. His main purpose is to be a preacher of the word of God. That's your main need too, by the way, is to know the word of God. And faith. This pastor was a man of faith. He believed in God. He trusted in God and he served God faithfully in many ways. And his patience takes patience to be a good pastor because people are slow learners all of us are and so we need to be willing to repeat people to repeat things to people remind people of certain things we need to continue to do that and hopefully eventually it'll sink in 
and it'll become a part of their lives if they are saved. <clears throat> so the second thing we look at is the problem identified. What was going on that needed to change in this pastor's life and in the church in Thyatira? So he begins in verse 20 with the word notwithstanding. So in spite of these good things that this pastor had, notwithstanding I have found or I have a few things against thee. It's never a good thing when Jesus has something against us. When somebody is not fully on your side, there's energy being spent that is not profitable. And when you're working against Jesus, it's not profitable. And so Jesus here, he had a few things against this pastor. And one of them, it says here, thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. So Jezebel, the original Jezebel that we know of in the Bible, was the wife of King Ahab, a wicked king of the northern tribe of Israel. Jezebel was the real authority at that time. Ahab was the puppet. He was the wet noodle. He didn't have a backbone. His wife told him what to do. And she was an idolater. And uh, he, King Ahab, was happy, coerced into bowing before her. He allowed her to dominate. And she hated Elijah. She hated any true prophet. She had killed many of them. She wanted to kill Elijah as well. Her end was not a good end. She was thrown from an upper room in her palace to the ground. And then Jehu's horse trampled her. And then the dogs came and ate her up. And then the dogs ran out into the field and they spread her body around in the field through their dung. That was the end of Jezebel. But here, this pastor, in spite of the good things that he had, he was allowing this woman. Now, this isn't that original Jezebel. But there are many Jezebels today. I've met some of them in the churches that I've pastored. And they try to present themselves as God-fearing women. And this one here, it says, calleth herself a prophetess. So she's someone who's claiming to have an inside track to God. And we have several of them that are well known in our world today that are on the internet. Beth Moore is one of them. And uh, there's a few other ones. I thought I had one other one written down here. But uh, anyway, uh, those who follow them, you know them. They're wicked women. 
that are out there on the internet and on TV and they travel around from place to place and many people flock to them to be brainwashed by them. And they are teaching, it says, notice here, to teach and to, to seduce my servants. So this Jezebel was influencing true saved individuals and she was causing them to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Based on the language of the text here, the fornication that she was causing them to commit was most likely spiritual fornication. Corrupting true doctrine, true faith with lies. That's what Jezebel was doing. Now, you can't stop a Jezebel from being a Jezebel, but you can stop Jezebel from having an influence on others. And that's the pastor's job. Jesus here is speaking to the angel of the church of Thyatira. He's not speaking to the members here. He's speaking to the, the angel, the pastor, the messenger that he has chosen to be the leader, the physical leader of this church. And this physical leader was tolerating this Jezebel. He was allowing her to come in and undermine the work of God. And any Jezebel that I have ever met, that is what they do. They try to undermine the work of God. They try to gather a following. Usually the Jezebel is an older woman. Sometimes she's a divorced woman. But she's a woman that has taken authority that doesn't belong to her. And then she tries to work behind the scenes and works against the pastor to try to turn other people away from the truth. And she can be a very smooth talker who is able to convince people that she's teaching the word of God when she's not. She's not submissive to her pastor. If she's a married woman, she's not submissive to her husband because her husband's a wet noodle, so she doesn't have to submit to him. But that's who these Jezebels are. And here, this Jezebel, she's teaching others, God's servants, teaching them to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Now, we've talked about it before, but we know that idols are nothing. But if someone were to walk into this building and offer us a plate of food and say, I just offered this up to Mary, and now I want you to come and I want you to eat it. I would say, take your food home with you. We don't want it here. Now, Mary was... A good woman in the Bible. She was the woman that God chose to be the one, the vessel that would bear, put flesh on Jesus Christ and give birth to Jesus Christ in his humanity. But the Catholics have turned Mary into an idol. And so 
this Jezebel here was encouraging some of God's servants to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And this pastor was not stopping that. He was not teaching them the importance of the truth, and he was not stopping them from practicing idolatry where he knew of it. And so Jesus says, I have a few things against thee. Now, people need to understand, people that attend church need to understand now, it's possible for a pastor to be a dictator. Yeah, it's possible to him, for him to be a ruthless overlord. But a pastor that sets standards in a church that are godly standards is honoring God. And any church that has a pastor like that should appreciate that man. That he's not someone who just turns a blind eye to sin and says, oh well, I need the people to come because I need to have the, the prestige of having so many people and I need their offerings. And so I'm not going to say too much because as long as they give money to the offering, and as long as they keep coming and they keep calling me pastor, that lifts me up and so, so I need that. But we need to have godly men who are pastors who are willing to help us to know the truth and to know what is sin and to see the importance of staying away from sin. We need that. Now we notice here in verse 21 that Jesus had been patient with this Jezebel. It says in verse 21, Behold, or sorry, and I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. So Jesus has been working in Jezebel's heart as well. And that's true. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is working in the heart of every lost individual and showing them their need to repent and be saved. And again, as we said before, the Godhead, all three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, these three are one. So Jesus says here that he gave her space to repent of her fornication. So we see in this passage that two times in regard to repentance, two times it's connected with stopping sin here we read that she is was given space to repent of her fornication and then in uh, um, where's the other one yeah verse 22 except they repent of their deeds and the word repent means to turn it means a 180 degree turn, right the opposite direction. And in the Bible, repentance is a turning to God from sin. And so here, this Jezebel, she is to turn from her, it says here, 
turned to repent of her fornication. So she is committing spiritual immorality with her teaching, with her life and with her teaching. She needs to stop doing that and turn to God. But she's not doing that. She has no interest in doing that. So in verse 22, it tells us, Behold, I will cast her into a bed. Now that's where fornication is committed, in a bed. Can be any kind of a thing, but it's a bed. I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation. So it's like an orgy. A lot of people involved, and that's the Jezebels of this world. They generally are able to gain quite a following. Because there's a lot of men in this world that don't have a lot of spiritual sense. And they're drawn to a woman rather than to a man. They'd rather have a woman scratch their itching ears than have a man tell them the truth. There's a lot of men like that. They don't want to be told the truth. They got too much pride. And they'd rather have a woman come alongside and they want that woman to be an enabler. Tell me something nice. Tell me something that feels me warm, feel warm and fuzzy inside. There's a lot of men like that. And Jezebel had gained quite a following. And so in verse 22, again, it says, going to cast them into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. So there's the solution. If you are one that likes to have women tell you things, likes to be spoken to by a woman instead of a man. Be careful. Is it your pride that you don't want to learn the things you need to learn? And so the answer, the solution here is accept they repent of their deeds. Stop that. Stop that. If you're a man, be a man. Learn to be a man. Learn the things that you need to learn to be a godly man so that you can help others to know the truth as well. In verse 23, it says, and I will kill her children. So this Jezebel, she's not only affecting her generation, but she's affecting the next generation. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts. You see, God has to sometimes wake us up in a very forceful manner. When we start falling asleep and when we start compromising, we start getting involved in all kinds of things we ought not to be, God has to wake us up. He has to really shock us. I've mentioned before that 
we are hearing about uh, increase in earthquakes in recent time. Different places are having earthquakes. God is shaking things up. Spiritually as well, God wants to shake things up. And here he says he's going to kill her children with death. And all the churches, notice again, there's no universal church. All the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts. Remember, Jesus introduced himself here to this church as having eyes like unto a flame of fire. Jesus Christ, when it talks about the reins here, it's talking about the inner beings. It's reference to the bowels of the person, the inner being of the individual. The thing that makes you tick. Where your thoughts are coming from. The reins and the hearts. What's controlling you? And Jesus wants to make sure that everybody understands in the churches. Everybody needs to understand. He is in charge. He's the one that we need to listen to. He's the one that we need to obey. And so it tells us there, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. So Jesus, again, he keeps an accurate record. He knows everything we're doing, and we can't flatter him. He knows what we're doing, and he's going to reward according to our works. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about there will be those that will have rewards of gold, silver, and precious stones, others that are just putting, putting out wood, hay, and stubble, and some of them, some will be saved though as by fire. Now, the Catholics, they take that phrase and they claim that's talking about purgatory. Doesn't say that anywhere. When a person is saved, though, is by fire. It's talking about the fact that just as we talk about Jesus' eyes here like a flaming fire. Sin cannot enter heaven. And that fire of Jesus' eyes, when a dead, when a saved person dies, they are immediately at the judgment seat of Christ. And they are judged as to what they've done good and what they have not done good, what they sinned. And they enter heaven immediately, but they either gain reward or they lose reward based on how they live, not through years of purgatory. In an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible talks about. That's how fast that judgment takes place. You see, Jesus doesn't need years to do research on you or I to figure out what did we do in our years. I'm 71, and quicker than I can snap my finger, Jesus knows everything that I've done. 
He doesn't need time. And so he's going to judge every person according to our works. And so the third thing that we see is to be an overcomer. In verse 24 it says, But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira. So he's speaking now to the pastor and to the membership of the church in Thyatira. As many as have not this doctrine. To those who haven't bought into the lies of Jezebel. And which have not known the depths of Satan. So it's clear where Jezebel is getting her teaching from. From the devil. Not from God. There's nothing good in Jezebel. Nothing good in Jezebel. That's important to understand that. As they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. So you see, one of the things that the Bible tells us is that Jesus understands us. He doesn't put more upon us than we can handle. He'll never give any born-again Christian more than that Christian can handle. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you turn there in your Bibles. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Now, Jesus isn't the one that tempts us, but it says, There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above, all, above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So when the devil tempts us, God's always there. Satan had to go to God to get permission to attack Job. And God is always there to provide the protection that we need. Because of the fall, we're all going to face temptation. But for those who are saved, we will never be tempted above that we are able to take to handle. And what the important thing is for those that are saved is that we grow in the Lord, that when we are tempted, we always know the two-letter word, no. I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. Verse 25 in our text, But that which ye have already hold fast till I come. Hold fast. Don't retreat. In Ukraine right now, there's a battle for the town of Bakhmut. Apparently a very important city in Ukraine. The Russians had attacked it last year, and then they backed away from there. Now they're at it again. They have surrounded the city on three sides. They've left one way for people to get out if they want to. I can't remember the population at one time, but now it's down to about 5,000 people left in Bakhmut. 
So Russia is allowing for those people to get out while they still have opportunity. But they're going to destroy that city because it's a main city in Ukraine. So Russia is intending on destroying it. The Ukrainian army is trying to prevent that from happening. But it looks like Russia is going to win. In spite of the billions of dollars that we, Canada, United States, and Germany have sent into Ukraine, they're going to lose. They're not going to hold that place. But Jesus tells those here in Thyatira that are faithful, he tells them to hold fast. Don't buy into the Jezebel hypocrisy, wickedness. Don't buy into it. Hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh. Okay, again, we have that word overcomer. Overcometh. Who is the overcomer? Well, it tells us right here in this passage. And keepeth my words unto the end. That's the overcomer. Hmm? Works, sorry. Till I come unto the end. So that's the overcomer. The one who holds to the truth. Follows the work of Jesus Christ. To the end. To him will I give power over the nations. So that's talking about during the millennium. During the millennium when Jesus Christ sets up his kingdom on this earth. There are going to be people that are going to be governing with him. Not that he needs anybody because he's God. But he's going to delegate power to different individuals as he chooses. And here he promises the saints in Thyatira, the ones that are faithful. The ones that are keeping his works to the end. He's going to give them power over the nations. And he says in verse 27, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. That's Jesus. He's going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. People will do what he says when he comes back. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers. Even as I received of my father. So those who do not want to obey what Jesus has to say when he comes back. They'll be broken in pieces. He has the right to do that. He's not going to allow for dissent to go on. There will be no unions that will be joining and fighting against the authorities. There will be no political parties that will be developed that will fight against Jesus Christ. He's not going to allow it. We don't need it now. And it won't happen then. And then in verse 20 it says, 28, And I will give him the morning star. Now in chapter 22, Jesus Christ is called the morning star. 
So exactly what he's saying here with this, we're not sure. Because every Christian has Jesus Christ indwelling them already. So it's not clear exactly what he means here with this. Whether it simply means that those that are saved are going to have, and serving him faithfully, the overcomers, are going to have greater blessings in the millennium. We know they're going to rule with him. So it's not clear exactly what he's meaning with that phrase. But it's good, we know that. And when we need to know, we will know. In verse 29 it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Word Spirit, there again, capital S, talking of the Holy Spirit. So even though Jesus is the one speaking here to the churches, he says here again, as he said before already, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So again, we see the oneness of the Godhead. And so again, the challenge to us today, if we're saved, if you've got ears, pay attention. Are you listening? We need to pay attention to what God has to say. We need to make sure that we are saved. And if there's a Jezebel that's listening today, you need to repent. You need to stop now. You may think that you are some great godly person, but you're destructive. And you're getting your directions from the devil. Jesus said that. You see, when we believe what the Bible tells us, we can begin to address the problems that the devil wants to bring across. When we try to whitewash sin, we create a lot of trouble for ourselves. It's not a blessing, it's not a help. And so we need to listen to what God has to say. We need to follow him and glorify him in our lives. And again, if you're listening today and you're not saved, the time to get saved is today. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. Today is the day of salvation. Turn to God today. Repent toward God. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Know his peace. Follow him faithfully. If you are saved... Glorify him. Take your directions from the word of God, not from society, not from the new evangelical movement, from God. Follow him because he's the judge. He wants to bless, but he can't bless when we don't want to obey him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful this morning again that we have thy word. Thankful for this text. Thankful for the, the clear teaching that Jesus gave to this pastor of the church in Thyatira. And how that we need to receive this clear teaching today as well. As we look at these seven churches and if we look at the different aspects of these seven churches, it covers everything that we will ever face as well. And I pray that thou wouldst help me as the pastor here of this church to be 
a humble servant of thine who would not be overlooking things that I need to be paying attention to, but that I would be seeking to help people to know the truth, to know thy peace and blessing, so that they can also be a blessing to others. And we pray for thy will to be accomplished in these last days that many would be saved, many would desire truth in their hearts and lives and see the importance of a true local church. Desire thy blessing in their lives. May thy will be accomplished, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.